welcome to this week's edition of the Magic Hour here at the Forum Club here at The Athletic LA. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Turning our attention, Andy, back to the Lakers this week. Take a quick break from the movie podcasting and uh, with the, the basketball reasons, uh, Orem's out of town. So we're going to bring people some Lakers news this week because there's actually some stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty exciting to be moving in a direction where we can talk about the Lakers and it doesn't feel like we're just, you know, skimming, uh, looking around for anything we can for actual talking points. We're getting, we're, we've got real basketball to start breaking down. So that's exciting. So the news this week actually revolved around the restart. I and mean, we'll get to some of the, the things specific to the Lakers in terms of who they might play and when they get back to Orlando based on these plans, except the plans, Andy, at least for a couple days, looked like they might be in some question. A week ago or so, it seemed like they had it figured out. Go to Orlando, 22 teams, 16 make the playoffs, kind of runs through normally there. They're not going to do the, the 1 through 16. It'll be done by conference. Everybody stay in Orlando. we got some quarantine rules. Kind of good to go. Friday, another call happens. What was it, about 80 or so players? Yeah, reportedly about 80 players. And reportedly led by Kyrie Irving, uh, multiple sources uh, saying that Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets, a forceful voice on this. And of the Players Association. He's a vice vice president, one of the vice presidents of the Players Association. The conversation started to turn a little bit deeper. Kyrie very strongly saying, I don't think we should play. Uh, CJ McCollum, I believe, has come out and said something similar, but that... For a variety of reasons, players were reluctant or questioning the plan. The one that was most publicly given by Kyrie was based on not creating anything that would draw attention away from the the attention given to racial justice issues and the protests surrounding the, uh, the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. In the couple days since that, though, Andy, and this included Avery Bradley was one of the guys on this call, Dwight Howard, put out a statement Sunday morning through his agent to CNN that said, I agree with Kyrie. Basketball or entertainment period isn't needed at this moment and will only be a distraction. Sure, it might not distract us, the players, but we have resources at hand the majority of our community don't have. And the smallest distraction for them can start a trickle-down effect that may never stop. Especially with the way the climate is now, I would love nothing more than to win my very first NBA championship. But the unity of my people would be an even better championship, and that's just too beautiful to pass up. And it continues talking about uh, the need to spend time with family and bring uh, you know, the black community together and focus from the black community on, on this issue of racial justice. Dave McManaman of ESPN at about 3.20 on Sunday Pacific time posted a story that basically hasn't... I mean, would you call this a walk back, Andy, from his agent, Charles Briscoe? Yes, I would call it a walk back from Dave's story. Uh, Howard's agent, Charles Briscoe, told ESPN that his client hasn't made a decision about playing basketball again this season because basketball is the first, furthest thing from his mind at this moment. The statement was about social injustice and racism, Briscoe said, yet everybody's still talking about whether basketball should be played. He isn't saying basketball shouldn't be. He's just saying that you should not be taking attention away from what's going on in the country to talk about basketball. Basketball is just a sport at the end of the day, but what's going on with people dying in the streets, that's something real. That statement, it had nothing to do with sports. It had everything to do with racism and social injustice, except for the part where he said that basketball shouldn't be played right now and that he agreed with Kyrie Irving. Who said basketball shouldn't be played. My personal opinion is that 
players, I think, sacrifice. You know, Austin Rivers has talked about this. I think Kyle Kuzma has been very vocal about it. There is a platform that comes with playing basketball, and there is a distraction that comes with not playing basketball. You know, with, with that, with, with you can pull people's attention in all kinds of different ways, but you can also focus it in all kinds of different ways. I personally think it's going to be six weeks from now, seven weeks from now before these games start. It's impossible to know what the climate is going to look like, where people will be, what they'll be paying attention to, what could happen in the meantime. So predicting playing basketball will take attention away, playing basketball is the right way to deliver a message, there's really no way to know. I feel like they can use the platform, but it's not my place to sort of tell particularly black athletes how they should take advantage and use their voices most effectively in this situation. But I think both of us, you know, as people that A, do care about the issues quite a bit, and and B, are part of the NBA, even in a way tangentially, just in the way that, you know, we cover it, we're around it a lot, and we understand, I think, uh, in pretty good ways about the, the platforms athletes have. You're correct that at the end of the day, our opinion doesn't count, but it's okay to have an opinion. I, right. I, I think they, I feel like they, you have to be able, at some point you got to play. At some point you're going to have to be able to, and we, as a society, we're going to have to learn how to walk and chew gum at the same time, where we do the things that we do as people. We go back to work, we do whatever, while not forgetting what this moment teaches us, whether we are black Americans, white Americans, you know, uh, a different, another minority, whatever it might be, whatever your role is to play, so to speak, at some point you, you, you people have to be able to do other things and not, and learn not to lose focus. Here's the way I would look at it. Like you said before, we don't know what the climate is going to be like in another six weeks to where our collective, you know, attention as a nation would be on this anyway. I mean, when you think about it, George Floyd's death was, I believe, May 25th. And the first protests that started happening in uh, Minneapolis were a day later. So it's been roughly three weeks since then with police brutality and racial inequality, you know, front and center in a way that I, you know, this focus on it and right. these conversations And, and, and by it. the way, um, brought back to the fore again this weekend with the, the killing in Atlanta of Rayshard Brooks, you know, the, the man who would I guess, passed out in his car and was shot by police outside of Wendy's in Atlanta. Yes, and it's been front and center in a way that I have i can't recall ever seeing in my lifetime. But the question you have to ask beyond, will it remain like this for another six weeks? It's, do you imagine it will remain this way through mid-October? Because that's the entirety of the playoffs as, as they're planned right now. And that, to me... As much as I would love for that to be the case, that feels unrealistic. I mean, especially when it's it's unrealistic in terms of human nature. I mean, like activism is exhausting. And also life is not really built to allow, I think, us societally to stay that hyper-focused anyway. And part of the reason we've been, I think, so hyper-focused about this beyond the fact that in the case of George Floyd, it was just so brutal. And we see it in the, and the way this happens. And there was no, there's usually there's with these things too. There's for people who want to change the sub, for example, Rayshard Brooks, people are pointing to, yeah, but he 
resisted. Yeah, but he took the taser and he ran. And yeah, but he fired the taser at the at the policeman. I, I don't know if it was discharged or not, whatever. But you can see in the video, he turned and fired that taser towards the police officer. Tried to. And people can yeah, but their way to, and that's why he got shot. That's not an excuse for lethal force. There was no, in my mind, there's nothing on that, on any of these tapes that show that these officers in Atlanta were under threat for their lives. And therefore, in my mind, there was no reason for them to take that man's life. The George Floyd thing, there isn't even a yeah, but. There isn't even that. And I think that to me is one of the things that makes it so different, even than some of these other cases that have been seen on video. It's that it's so casual that the, 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 the move from the police officers and the indifference from the other officer is so out there for almost nine minutes. And there's nothing you can point to that George Floyd does that anybody can yeah, but. And I think when you put all those things together, that's why it is so visceral and difficult for people to get away from. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to finish that because... So people wouldn't misinterpret what I was saying. Sure. And I completely agree with you. But beyond that, one of the reasons that I think, and it's a very central reason why this has remained at the forefront the way it has, beyond what you and I both described with, with George Floyd's death, it's that we've been in this quarantine state and a lot of people have not had to go to work. A lot of people have not been you know, able to go to school Like as a nation. We've had the ability to focus on this without distractions that happen typically in everyday life that we, we as a country are trying to move back towards. Things are opening up more, you know, however gradually and you, you can make the argument however smartly, but they are. So at a certain point, it's just going to become more difficult to main, maintain this type of hyper focus on the issues because life is going to start getting in the way. Which is why I think in some ways the NBA, these players have an opportunity to actually try to start setting examples and trying to start laying the foundation for how we multitask. Because well, and, and if, they, if they, they have if they, the platform to consistently that's, that's my draw. Yes. That's, that's exactly my point is there's actually an opportunity here to lead the way towards multitasking because we are eventually going to be asked to and, and I think frankly looking for ways to do that because ultimately society has to I don't want to say move past this because we shouldn't move past it but we do have to move forward just because we we always do so how do you go about moving forward in ways that still allow the multitasking and still allow people to keep this in their consciousness right how do you how do you how do you move to that next thing I, I think pressure right I agree with I, you. I think the NBA ha these players have an opportunity plus to be honest, and I mean, this was something I saw Bamani Jones point out on Twitter, what is being talked about here in terms of if we societally are truly serious about making these type of changes, you know, systemically within police forces, systemically in terms of racial inequities, you know, that have been around for decades and there have been decades long attempts at changing them, moving forward, that is also going to be decades long. So there's an, there is, uh, like there's when you an take idea. that in its totality, you know, yes. you're not gonna, you don't yes. solve racism in a week, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, know? you don't, you don't, well, you don't solve it in a week, but you could start reaching a place where if you really think about it, there is no right time to play at all. Like, Correct. because in a, in a year, 
unfortunately... When will, when will basketball be more important than this? The answer is never. So LeBron James, for example, uh, Sam Amick has a really good piece up on The Athletic, uh, and he did not hear from LeBron uh, directly, but sources around LeBron have said that, quote, the Lakers have as good a chance as any to win the title of the 22 teams invited to Disney World. Uh, LeBron believes in playing in Orlando wouldn't deter his ability to continue inspiring change. He wants to keep making his mark off the court. He wants to play basketball. And as always been the case, he clearly believes he can do both at the same time. As, as James has said for so long now, his preference is for keeping the main thing, the main thing, a central tenet of his ethos. What we're talking about here, though, and what I meant by saying, like, it's not my place to, like, to say this is the right way to handle it, this is the wrong way to handle it. I have my opinion. My point was these are questions of strategy. I am disagreeing with you at the, the effect of the strategy of not playing. It's a, it's a strategic choice in trying to keep the messaging front and center to say not playing is better than playing. The important thing is to recognize, I think, is what people are, particularly athletes, are considering in this moment where their level of empowerment and their voice has never been more amplified, where the focus of, quite frankly, white America has never been as genuine and committed as it has been in this moment. The part that concerns me, and I hope doesn't happen, and we've saw it a little bit already with like, you know, Dave's story, McMenamin's story for ESPN points out like, you know, there's guys are kind of toning that sense of conflict down of, hey, we got plenty of time to work out some of the details. It's, you know, it'll be okay. We'll figure it out together as a group of players. And that's true. You would hate to see a moment like this become a point of division among players to where, you know, guys are distrustful of players who maybe aren't as vocal in advocacy because they're not advocates. Not everybody is an activist. Not everybody is sort of built and not everybody's comfortable with it. Everybody might, somebody might be more comfortable writing a check than speaking publicly or whatever it might be. Because those things will become stories in themselves that will allow in ways that will allow particularly white Americans who are learning how to get into these issues or maybe looking for an exit ramp or maybe what it is, whatever it is, to kind of get distracted by it and to become, to stop paying attention to what the real issue is and start paying attention to the sideshow over here. In the same way that Colin Kaepernick, the discussion around Colin Kaepernick became respecting the flag, respecting the anthem, not, not about police violence. Now, sure, I, but I mean, but those are people that were intentionally looking to make it something yes else. Yes and no, but I think there are also people a who lot are... Of, certainly a lot, a lot of, people. of pe a lot of but people. The when overwhelming you, when you're given the opportunity, When you're given the opportunity to not have to do the work... You'll take it. And that, and people... So don't, sure. so make, don't make it so easy to give people the opportunity. I, That's my I point. mean, I, I get that. I don't... At the end of the day, I don't think it matters. I feel like people who want the opportunity, they'll take it whether it's there or not. They'll simply choose not to do it. And they're not really there to begin with. I agree with you. There's a group of people who are always like that with everything. They're never... But there I think is, if there's always going to, to be a percentage of this, people... I think if people want to change their purview, they will sincerely look to do it. I think the majority of people who will take the first on-ramp... The reason they're taking the first on ramp, uh, off ramp, is because they've been looking for it desperately. They have been looking for that. I am less concerned about those people than I am the people who, whatever if you think the majority is sixty five percent, eighty percent, whatever percentage is left over. 
that would oh, the take people, the off-ramp? The people who are looking for the off-ramp and go, fine. You said the majority? That leaves somebody left no, over. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm saying the majority of the people that I think would take the off-ramp. Right. The overwhelming majority are looking for it. Like if, if I mean, in terms of and so really... my, and I understand. No, I'm saying I understand what you're saying. I'm more focused than on the whoever is left in that majority. I think those who people aren't, aren't looking to get looking distracted. That's just my opinion. I don't okay. think they're looking I to get distracted. I, 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 think... I don't. I think. I I think you are. I I, I don't. I I think you are underestimating uh, underestimating the amount of people who can be kind of led along and need more time and need a little more coaxing or need. Um, a consistency in messaging. I, I think, I, I, right. I think I mean, you may be overestimating how I, easily I they can that. get distracted if they actually do care. But the, I understand the point that. being, though, either way, I, like you, I'm not going to say that these guys, if they decide that any player that decides that this is the wrong time to be playing for a multitude of reasons, because everything we're talking about right, and we should get even, into some of those in a minute. Right, yeah. doesn't even get into the COVID issue. It doesn't even get into the setup issue. It doesn't even get into how awkward it's going to be to try to restart these, this whole thing under these type of circumstances and where their heads have all been at for, you know, it'll end up being four and a half months, something like that. All of those reasons, you know, if players feel a reluctance to become involved with this, I'm not going to tell them they're doing the wrong thing. But that being said, in terms of my opinion about whether or not playing creates a distraction that can undercut the momentum of this, I think on a few levels, it's a little bit misplaced. I understand where it's come I understand where it's coming from, but I also think that again, A, you have the opportunity It'd be to different make the if they were going to play today. Right. You know? If in a month, you know, and I hope this is not the case, we start reaching a general climate that's closer to what it was immediately after George Floyd's death, then yes, I would agree. It's inappropriate to be playing at this point. But, you know, save uh, circumstances like that, I think they have the opportunity to amplify the platform. But I also just feel like the that focus could end up getting diluted whether they play or not. Mm-hmm. By then, by late July, it could be lost anyway. Right. I mean, it's and also too, it's just going to look different. Like it's not, it's never going to be the level of focus that it is now, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be significantly important. So I agree. I agree with you uh, in terms of the, the strategic thinking behind it. But there is like those other considerations are important. It's not just the question of is this the right time? Should we be more focused on the question of racial justice? There are questions of what the bubble looks like and how restrictive it's going to be, because I think people are finally sort of understanding if the NBA is going to be able to do this, the rules outside the bubble don't apply. It doesn't matter that the rest of the world is kind of opening up or that people, the other people can kind of move in and out of it. Like it has to be incredibly restrictive or at the very least start that way and ease up at maybe a little bit as it goes along. And it's six weeks, seven weeks in there without family, without friends, without mixing with players with other minimum. teams. Like That's minimum. A minimum. That's a minimum. And it's for the you know, wizards of the world. Right. Um, <laughs> if you, you know, if you're a, a team that could be in the final four, the final eight, or whatever, world, you're talking two months. And so the restrictions on those types of things, where even when you can bring your family, then they're quarantined. And how do? You, it's a lot. So I think the the reality of that sets in. I think there's a question Donovan Mitchell raised about injury. 
if I come back, if I come back, we rush this process. I got to get back on the floor and we do, and I get hurt. Well, I got a contract coming up, and like, if he tears a, a an MCL or something, he's still going to get a max contract. If he does something devastating, Sean Livingston style kind of early, sh- which is probably not going to happen, but it could. Paul George broke his leg, tears an Achilles, whatever. My these are all things that could have an incredible impact on his career. That's worth thinking about. It's worth thinking about what happens if we don't come back and play. Would the owners rip up the CBA? Would what happens to the salary cap? Like all of these are questions. And you know, I saw it was a player or an agent saying it's easy for Kyrie to say he doesn't want to go play. He's made more money than ninety nine percent of the league. That is actually part of this context that can't be ignored. I want to preface this by saying. Even with Kyrie's reputation that I think is fairly well earned as a flake, I'm not and you know, a contrarian for being, you know, the sake of being contrarian. I'm not questioning his sincerity on this because I just don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair. Right. And you I can't. don't and I, and I don't know Kyrie even close to well enough or have been around him enough to make that kind of assessment. But it can't be ignored in terms of this context that Kyrie doesn't have the same skin in this the way other guys will. And he would not have been playing regardless. He was not going to be playing whether this thing starts back up or not. And he's part of a team that has 0% chance of winning a championship. And that contextualizing does actually matter. If you make, he makes what? Like 30 something million? If you make two, if you make two or three, that's a lot. It's a ton of money. Don't he you? Makes, but like, yeah, he has more endorsement power. Right, you but know, that's not right. It's not the same thing. I, right, and I'm not saying that he's insincere about this, but it just it it is not the same level of sacrifice in this particular case from Kyrie that it would be from uh, from other players, and that just does have to be noted. There are so many issues to work out, and we can be honest and grown up about this and, and like acknowledge that money is important. It's an important factor and it matters. And it matters for everybody who has to go back to work in one form or another and what they're going to do and how well, they're going to do it. I mean, look, Austin Rivers, one of the things that he pointed out in trying to, he I believe was on Instagram making a push to play, is that the money that these guys make can be donated directly to Black Lives Matter, do whatever can be donated you want with it. to different types of organizations, different types of foundations that participating in the season, restarting again, can be the fuel to bankrolling these there are any things. No, again, strategically, there are any number of things that, yes. that can happen here. But I worry, And there's the colder side of the money, too. There are people who put the it's about money thing on like with a level of contempt that I don't think it necessarily deserves. There is a point, obviously, where you know billionaires arguing with millionaires or whatever, I get it, and it can be... Tone deaf to say at the, at the very least. I don't think that's the problem with any side of the NBA. I think the owners and the players, in terms of the financial parts of this, I think have been pretty, especially like compared to baseball. But like you can have a conversation acknowledging that the money matters. Like if they if they don't play this season, it's not just this season that's impacted. It's the next five, six, seven, eight in terms of like what the CBA looks like, what the the earning power for middle income players is going to be all of this is impacted by it and it's okay to talk about it in a way and it doesn't make you a jerk or selfless or taking your eye off the ball no but i mean but at the same time though the number one overriding factor in starting back the league up again is money because if everybody truly was worried about safety first you wouldn't do this so i mean just honestly i actually i'll be honest with you i mean i i think 
You know, I, my safety question, honestly, is much less about COVID than it is about however, however and, you want to, sure. however you want to put it. The overriding factor in starting all this up again is money. Period. And that doesn't make it bad. I'm just saying, if if we're going to be honest about it and talk about it like grown ups, at the very least, it's let's an talk about it like grown ups. It's an equal consideration. No, it's not the equal the, consideration. I said it at the, the very highest. least. It's it the is a, highest. It is Period. a. It, you know, there Period. are guys. There are plenty of guys who want to just. No, want I'm to talking the about from the league's perspective, from the NBA's perspective. The number one thing. Is, it's not completion. Oh, from right. It, I thought you meant it's from not the because of the history the books. Too. If you're going to average it out among everyone, no, but, I don't, number, but I don't think. I, but even in that context, I don't think it's fair to separate the league from the players. Players want to get paid. They want to. Sure. You know, they want That's to what that. I'm saying. And I don't think. Average, I don't think it's a big deal. I didn't say yeah. it's bad or good. I'm just saying. Let's be honest. It's the number one thing. If you're going to average it out among the league and the players, it's the money. Otherwise, just, you're not being honest. All right, more on what will actually happen in the pandemic tournament here for the Lakers in a second. But first, Andy, I think you'd agree smelling good, super important. Oh, you don't want to be the dude that smells bad. Like, nobody wants to be around you. People will be distancing you for reasons that have nothing to do with pandemic and consideration for others. Like, meanwhile, what you want is for people to kind of want to get inside that six-foot bubble because you smell that good. You want to bring him in like the tractor beam from Star Wars. Don't let him. Keep him six feet away, but understand how hard it is for them to stay outside your your uh, your scent. So with Father's Day coming up, get smelling good. It's very easy. You do it with Hawthorne cologne. And what's cool about this, Andy, is it involves science. Everyone likes science. You take a quiz, and the quiz sends you to the right cologne, whether it's for you, for your dad, for your husband, partner, whatever it might be. It's tailored just for them. Two minutes, that's all it takes. Totally risk-free. Risk-free shipping, risk-free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and a .co, not a .com. Hawthorne.co, use our promo code THEATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co, use the promo code THEATHLETIC for 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. I hope that there can be a consistency of messaging some sort of agreement that the players as a group there are 450 of them they're not all going to be comfortable with everything where guys are comfortable enough with what the setup is what the messaging is going to be here's what we can do if we go play to make sure that we are fulfilling what we feel is an obligation to to push this cause in a way that projects unity to everyone else, because it is it is important. What they are debating about in terms of what's the best way to do this is very important because athletes, I think, really do have a significant role to play in how this conversation goes and how people react to it and, and actions that teams, organizations, brands, like you cannot overestimate the importance that people like, not just the star players, but, you know, further down have on local brands, lo, you know, larger national brands. Like these guys have a major voice and it's not just LeBron who has it. It's not just CP who has one. It's all, it's, they all do. Um, we're seeing it in the NFL and all that. So, um, I hate for that to be undercut. Yeah. Look, it's going to be hard enough as it is anyway, just to maintain the right image if they end up playing, just because they are going to probably get visibly sick of doing this after a while. Like you're going to see it wearing on players 
this is going to be grueling. These are going to be grueling circumstances in you which mean, to go through just the playoffs. The, 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 the context of the, of the pandemic tournament, regard, like, yes. taking away this. Let, right, okay. Yeah, I'm just saying it's going to be very difficult in general to, in some ways, put out the image of wanting to do this you know, for the best reasons possible, just because I imagine even by mid-September, you're going to see some degree of body language like, I want to get the hell out of this dome. Right. I, I just wasn't sure. I thought I wasn't sure if you meant that they'll be sick of it in terms of the playing the basketball in Orlando or sick of it in terms of trying to convey a message. No. I just no, wanted I, that's no. that's what I was trying to clarify. No. I, mm. I, yeah. I didn't want people to, to be confused. When they actually get there, of course, the Lakers are going to almost surely be a number one seed. I think we can all agree the fact that they get these eight games is a huge boost to them to be able to play their way back into some sense of form and lowers the risk of a weird thing happening in the first round, whether it's against Memphis, Portland, New Orleans, whoever it might be. I wouldn't have picked them to lose against any of those teams, but if the first game you play is game one of the playoffs, I think there's much more chance for weirdness to happen. Uh, because you know, think about what happens at the beginning of every season. Teams start off five and five. Maybe one team is like ten and two out of the gates, and then they get figured out. It's hard to hit the ground running and be at peak form when you haven't played. Yeah. And so the eight games help the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that worried about anything weird happening just because, other than maybe the Blazers at full strength, I just don't think the other teams the Lakers would play have the ability to force something that weird. I would be more concerned um, without the eight games to play about the weird thing just being an injury. That it's, that would be my that, main, that would that be my too. main thing. The Blazers, however, I mean, they're the most entertaining of the Lakers' potential eight seeds is the Pelicans by far, just because you have so many different storylines. And Lakers, Pelicans, from just a basketball standpoint, could be a ton of fun. Both teams love to push tempo. They're both really good in transition. I mean, that could just be a really entertaining series. I think Memphis, they're mo- probably their most likely first-round matchup. Yeah, I mean, the, well, I think the, the way it's set up, you have to be inside four games. Right. I think the odds favor it being Memphis. I think, yeah. And then the team that is chasing Memphis would have to win two games where Memphis right. would only need to win right, one. Exactly. So um, the Memphis has a chance to both play well enough to keep teams within outside that margin and then also just win that playoff. Right, that exactly. Play-in. And I, I think I think Memphis would would also actually be pretty entertaining. I mean, they're, they're actually a pretty good team. I, I think there's... The potential. Yeah, ja, Jaron Jackson, Jaren Justice Jackson. Winslow will be back. Yeah, they got a lot of actually good supporting players. Like Good it, team. It, it actually reminds me a little bit, and you and I covered this series in 2010, when the Lakers beat the Thunder in the first round. And I don't think the Grizzlies are there yet, but there was that feeling. And I remember guys like Kobe talking about it openly, just like, you better beat these guys now because they're on their way. And again, I don't think the Grizzlies are there yet, but there's a possibility of this series, if it's Lakers-Grizzlies, looking like one of those, okay, I remember that series. Like, okay, we, we saw something in the development of a core that may hopefully... New Orleans, I'd say the same together. thing about New Orleans. Sure, sure. But, it, but New Orleans has the entertainment factor on top of it, which is all the, the, the soap opera. Right. But, I, but, but that aspect oh, yeah, of it, absolutely. these teams being that, up and comers, that's a great point. Both. That's a great point, actually. And you're, you're completely correct. Portland, though is the one team that is potentially scary because they're getting back Yusef Nurkic, who is a huge deal for them, and also Zach Collins, who I think matters. But then if these games happen to be close, there is nobody in the league that is scarier with the ball in his hands 
than Damian Lillard, period. There are, you know, a handful of players in the league, not many, but a handful that are better than Lillard. Nobody is scarier in that scenario. Nobody. I think we just don't know what they are. It's like they've been wildly disappointing this year. I don't think there's a team in the league that's been more disappointing. There are caveats, there are injuries, there are all kinds of reasons as to why it's been that way. But, you know, Portland, you don't have to go very far back to when Portland was like a dominant team in the Western Conference. 2019. Last year. Exactly. (laughs) It was not that far. I'm old enough to remember when that happened last year. Granted, last year seems like it was about two decades ago. That's a fair point. That is a really fair point. But it still was last year. Now, Portland is a different team. They've got a, you know, as as our friend George Zano from uh, ESPN likes to point out that Portland team didn't have Hassan Whiteside. <laughs> this Portland team does. But um, this potential Portland team could have Whiteside playing off the bench and Nurkic starting. Nurkic and like it's just the Lillard thing is scary. I think it's really hard to integrate new players that quickly. But if they make that playoff but if they make spot, it work, it, mean, it just it means it, they, they have a they have fast. a previous they have a previous history to where they should be better than they are. They have two really good frontline players. And if those guys in the front court, which is important against a team like the Lakers, who have a lot of size, make enough of a difference, all of a sudden, at the very least, Portland isn't, you know, what are they, a 27-win team right now? Yeah, definitionally, they can't make the eight seed unless they I'm Sorry, 20, I don't want to undercut them. They've won 29 games. Right. They have to crush it in, yeah. in however many games they have to play into this eight seed thing. They yeah. basically have to crush it. I gotta be honest with you. I'm actually the only thing that New Orleans doesn't. I think New Orleans has more good players, they're or so potentially, inexperienced, though. but they're so inexperienced. Then let me go backwards again. They don't have more good players. They don't have more established good players. Certainly none that are better than Damian Lillard. But they have like a lot of dudes running around. Is sort of what I mean by that. Sure, but I mean they're so they're so inexperienced. And I think you could and, and you could say the same thing about Memphis. Oh yeah. No, I think Memphis um, will just. I think Memphis could just be entertaining. They're a fun team. I doubt they could get more than one game off the Lakers. This is part of the problem with Portland this year is that they've been. You know, Whiteside is, as some people will point out, a lot of empty calories for some big numbers. And outside of Lillard, and I guess that um, dude yeah, is McCollum's like, been okay. He's he's been typical CJ McCollum. Everybody else on that roster, it's like, eh. you know, Mello, Mario, Hazonia. Actually, Trevor Rees has played pretty well for him. But okay, yeah. Better than he was playing before, which he, was he's terrible. terrible. But, he, but he's, he was playing well for him. But he's been, yeah, he was, I mean, but like, again, you get Collins and Nurkic back, Nurkic back, it makes a difference. I mean, but look, here's the I, thing, though. Granted, the Lakers' top two players are better than the Blazers' top two players, but a lot of people say that about the Lakers' supporting cast. Oh, Andy, there's a reason why in the playoffs I'm a little concerned about them. Sure. Um, and we've had this conversation on our, our show through ESPN about the Lakers versus the Clippers. And I think the fact that the Clippers and other teams like them have different ways to beat you, have depth that the Lakers don't have, have a pecking order that's sort of understood that the Lakers don't have, is going to be more problematic for the Lakers in the playoffs than it was in the regular season. Not having uh, DeMarcus Cousins, or at least in theory not having, they could resign him. <laughs> I guess if they wanted to, they'd have to cut someone. But not having DeMarcus Cousins didn't hurt them in the regular season. And I think in some ways the similarities between Dwight and JaVale McGee in how they play, particularly offensively, made it so the the team didn't have to adjust very much depending on which guy was on the floor. Cousins would have been a bigger adjustment, especially offensively. 
but gives them would have given them another outlet, a, 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 another pivot point in the offense that they don't have. So if you shut down AD or don't shut him down, but you make his life hard, if you can somehow figure out a way to make LeBron's life as a point guard type guy hard, they don't have a lot of other ways to no, go about I, I, I wrote about this a lot for The Athletic. The area where the Lakers really miss DeMarcus the most, and we've seen that, I think a fair amount during the season is just playmaking off the second unit. I mean, he he's a guy that they could have run their offense through. And for all the complaining about Rajon Rondo being on the court and Vogel relying on him too much and you know LeBron trusting him too much, whatever, and I get where those complaints come from, I also understand why Frank Vogel plays him because Rondo is one of the few guys they have among second unit players, you might even argue the only one, who can competently run an offense. Even if you think that ability is overrated, he's the only one that can do it at all. At least by so, at least by um, by resume. I mean by resume, and I also think by results. I well, mean, it depends. Depends. Play- really, I mean, I don't want to. This is not a, a genuinely not a conversation with you. It depends on what you want in how your I'm offense saying, is run. I'm saying if you want anything, even if you want to tailor it specifically to what Rondo does at not a particularly good level anymore, he's the only guy that can do it among second unit players. That's and all when, I'm saying. When you get to the, uh, yeah, I mean, it's what happens when your team doesn't have another point guard. But, but DeMarcus Cousins could have done it. Right. DeMarcus, can, I can, thought be DeMarcus, when they signed him, was going to be Absolutely. Their, not just their primary scorer off the bench. I thought he was going to be their primary playmaker. There's no, the And I think, they, I think they did too. And so it's not, you know, it's not just the Clippers. If you look up and down the Western Conference, and you, know, you wrote about the potential eight seeds, and I wrote about the rest of the conference for the, for the site over the last week or so, there are no there are no soft matchups like the rest of the ladder. Because Lakers are going to be the number one seed. We don't know who the eight seed is. And we don't know the order for the other teams yet because there's a lot of potential for movement there. As I kind of calculated, I think Utah at this point might be the weakest team out there because of the Bogdanovich injury and also Joe Ingles may not end up playing. I think the more I've been well, it's reading up in, it's about up it, in the seems, air. it seems like he's going to. Okay, uh, but let's just assume that he does. Um, if he doesn't, obviously it makes a difference. But I mean, let's assume that he does. Just losing Bogdanovich's twenty points and you know forty-two percent or something from three-point range really impacts their offense. But as disappointing, Utah does feel kind of vaguely disappointing this year. You know, Andy, they were still on pace to win fifty games. Like that's a good team, and if they kind of get it together, they're very streaky. They've had a ten-game winning streak, a bunch of five and six-game winning streaks, and a bunch of four and five-game losing streaks. If they kind of get like that's your worst team, you know. I mean, maybe it's Dallas, but you know, Luca and the way Porzingis was playing as before the like, if Utah's the worst team that you could run into in in that group, then it's a really good group. Well, and man, so it's, it's been a long time, like you know, yeah. a few decades since the West hasn't been brutally hard. Yeah, like it's been it's been a long and also time. too because a lot of times during the season it's like yeah that team's really good, but. You know, this guy's banged up or that guy's hurt. Houston was a great example of this, I think, for this playoffs. If it had kind of gone in, you could see Westbrook running out of juice. You could really see Harden starting to run out of energy. Those guys are basically going to be back in beginning of the season form. And I don't trust the Rockets to win a lot, you know, based on what they have. I think they're too dependent on outside shooting and, and all that. But the Rockets are teeny tiny thing is I mean, overrated. Tallest rotation players like six eight. They're not tall, but they're not they're not small. They're no, I all get that, bulky fellows. I I get that, but you know, there's there's a reason that height has never gone out of fashion. No, I agree with you. Game. No, I was saying I'm not. They're not my. I'm not. But like, if you don't trust them, and 
people don't buy into what they're doing, they still have James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, West I mean, and, guy, and they're going to be fresh and healthy and ready yeah. to go. And Westbrook's like, been really good this year. That's been really good. Like, and there people, there are people who probably put Houston near the bottom of this group. Like, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Like, that is an impressive place to start. Again, um, you know, the Clippers are the Clippers. Denver is very good. With skinny Jokic. I know. Ripped um, so, skinny abs Jokic. Safe or unsafe, whether or not these guys are, are being made to go out and play for my entertainment or not. Oh, and OKC. Am, that is a team oh, nobody's going to want to play. You know who has the most, most wins in the NBA uh, since Thanksgiving in the Western Conference, Andy? OKC. The Oklahoma City Thunder. They are a team that, you know, I don't think, I don't think, for example, OKC could get through the West. But that being said, any, any given series, any, any given series, they will make it difficult. They are tough on both sides of the ball. They're efficient on both sides of the ball. Chris Paul has had a phenomenal season this year. Shea Gilgis Alexander is a budding star on both sides of the ball. Gallinari, when he's going, is a pain in the ass to cover. And he's somebody that can get your wing defenders in a lot of foul trouble. Or your and, and, they're play, they're, and they're playing with house money and at this point. I, look, they're playing with house money because nobody expected their season to be good as, as far as things nobody else expected, or at least me. Dennis Schroeder's been terrific this year. Yeah. I'm not a Schroeder guy, but he's really been good. And the teams that get into the eighth seed aren't, aren't push those areas. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I just, <laughs> as I said, the teams that can get in as the eighth seed are all the pretty hell good. are they doing in this thing? I don't know. Even like, Sacramento, if they get in, you'd be like, you know, it's, they're not as sexy. But, you know, you, now you're talking about Problem with badly, Sacramento, though, I, I wrote about this, though, because Sacramento had been playing well before the suspension of the season, except they only beat two teams above 500. One of them was the Celtics, who didn't have Tatum. And they've been so all over the place this whole I agree year with you. that even if they manage to get that eight seed, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel confident that it means anything. No, I'm just saying that like they have. My point is just that they have some good exciting. Covering players. De'Aaron Fox is a hassle, right? And you know, healed healed off the bench has been very He's good, been terrific. Um, so there are there's the the it, it, no matter who plays in that one eight seed, that one eight matchup with the Lakers is going to be more entertaining, I think than the typical 1-8, particularly if it's one of the three between Memphis, Portland, and and uh, New Orleans. Oh, I think all three of those would be really fun series. It would be a lot, and a lot more fun and a lot more interesting and competitive than a typical 1-8. So, yeah, that's it. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, some of these things we'll probably continue talking about. Uh, we'll mix in some Lakers and some movies, especially while Orem's on vacation. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with more Magic Hour. See you, everyone.